Morning, everybody, and welcome to Strategy Cafe, our leadership round table two. Um, welcome to uh, the cafe, and um, I am delighted to welcome back uh, guests from the leader round table that we uh, undertook in, in May. Um, so, um, without further ado, I'd just like to introduce everybody to you. Um, so maybe I can come to you first, Elizabeth, and say hi. Hi, how are you? Uh, say hi and introduce yourself. Thank you, Nick. Good morning, everybody. Hi, my name is Elizabeth Magger. I'm the Director General of the Institute for Family Business. We are a membership body for family-owned businesses based in the UK, part of a global network. We are uh, focused on peer-to-peer -peer learning and networking family businesses and we also make sure that uh, the family business voice is heard and understood in the corridor of government. Uh, thank you and hi Kate. Hello Nick, hello everybody again. Yes my name is Kate Cooper, I'm Head of Research Policy and Standards at the Institute of Leadership and Management. We represent a community of over 40,000 leaders, managers and coaches and I have to say in the last few months we have been very digitally driven as an institute. We have felt so connected to so many of our members, so close to what they are thinking, what's happening. And we've just done some research about the experience of home working. So hope I get opportunity to share some of that this morning. Oh, um, I think I'm sharing presenter view. Hang on a second, everybody. So Matt, hi, say hi to everyone and I'll sort out my screen. Thank you for that, Rosanna. Good morning, everybody. Hi, my name's Matt Earl. I'm the Managing Director of New River Holdings which is a parent company for a group of companies, including Robert Lee Distribution, which is the UK's largest distributor of bathroom and sanitary wear. There we go. You've got enough time, Nick. You've got your slides. Oh, hello, Oh, there we go. <laughs> Hi, uh, Giles Foots. I'm CEO and founder of Office Space in Town. Uh, we run service offices predominantly in London, but also in Cardiff, Northampton and Edinburgh. We also own a hotel down the south coast in Devon called Burr Island, a cleaning company, a drinks party, a drinks party, anyone's welcome, a drinks company uh, called Gunners, um, a residential, residential company that specialises in getting uh, planning. Um, I think that's all we own, but uh, so predominantly uh, the mortgage gets paid by office space in town. Thank you. Um, it's really wonderful to have you all back. Um, so um, our connection with everyone, um, Giles and um, the company and um, uh, all of their team, we, we were tenants of Office Space in Town um, since 2016, since our launch. And then um, they have been clients of Actory, mutual clients, and it's been just wonderful. Um, um, Matt and I have worked together for a long time. I can't remember how many years. He'll, he'll say too long, I'm sure. Oh, um, I'm going to say probably about 10 years now. Wow. Wow. It's been so interesting. Um, yeah, I've watched you grow up, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, likewise. Um, yeah. And um, Kate um, and the Institute of Leadership Management, we've been working with the Institute of Leadership Management for a few years now in, in Lambic and um, I've just really loved uh, the alignment that we found around our ideas and approach to experience and developing leadership. Um, and the Institute for Family Business and Elizabeth, we've been connected with for a few years now because we do a lot of work with family businesses and uh, just they're a wonderful 
trusted central resource um, and connector for family businesses across the UK and just a really lovely organization to work with. So um, all of them are super interesting to listen to and you know plugged into business across the UK. So I'm uh, really delighted to have everyone back. Um, last time we talked to you all was on the 20th of May, um, which actually was quite a long way into lockdown. So it's very strange, isn't it? And it seems like, um, uh, um, uh, you know, here we are, here we are nearly in August and it's a very strange environment continuing. Um, so thankfully, you know, things have improved a lot and we're coming out of um, the first phase. Uh, I know everyone will be watching the news and just experiencing this um, uncertainty pretty much viscerally. Um, it's, it's, you know, un unavoidable really, isn't it? And um, very, very interesting time. So we thought it'd be great just to bring everybody back and just um, tap into the experience of the last couple of months and how things are now. Um, and I've got a question about risk uh, a little bit later um, to ask everybody, um, given that the actual, you know, uh, although all really tragic, the number of deaths has come down to very low levels. Now, each one obviously awful, but nevertheless, it's come down to very low levels. I'm just interested in perceptions on, on risk and the tensions between the different risks that we're facing. But maybe we can just start off by asking each of you you know what 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 how is business now what's happening you know what are your current challenges what's the right now uh, for you matt maybe i can come to you first yeah by um, all means i'm going to take um, the um, slides down so we can yeah okay jolly good so what's the what's the question directly how is business now is that the, the yeah what's happening in business right now now we're moved we've moved on what are the challenges you're facing today um uh yeah our business right now i have to be perfectly honest looking at last month's figures and daily sales figures we're running at about 95 98 percent um where we were pre-covid which is spectacular given that we supply the building industry um we've done three budgets uh, a good better and a possibly uh, and we're, we're running at the, the the good end of possibly we didn't think we'd ever get anywhere near as where we are at the moment. Uh, but the biggest challenge at the moment we've got is the staffer who were all furloughed are now coming back. They're working from home in the most cases. But it's uh, it's trying to establish or understand where we think this virus is going to end up and what's going to happen to us all in the future. But the reality is it's an endemic. It's in the society. So we've got to get back to normality. So we've made the decision to talk uh, requesting our staff return to the office now we've got to get life back to some sort of normality um, obviously if you're on the endangered list we're uh, we're not insisting they come back in the office um, we've taken a lot of time and effort to make sure that the working practices are following government guidelines and we're offering a safe environment so that people can return to work with confidence the biggest barrier to all of that of course is not the the physical returning to work but the mental impact of getting over the fact that they can come out of their bedroom and come out and join the wider world and again it's not so much the office environment that we offer but in many cases it's the travel to work on the public transport which uh, will bring up the anxiety more than the arriving at the office so so generally things are good we're looking to get people back in the office now yeah and looking just to help them overcome that uh, their nerves about it and um, yeah. conscious conscious of 
conscious of the need to, to look after them in that process. Yeah, I know. I mean, even I, when I, you know, everybody got locked down for a couple of uh, months, going it up the first couple of weeks, you felt guilty going to the shop. But once you get over that, you get used to it and realise, you know, you have got to get on with life. And so is everybody else. And you were talking um, about, um, you know, that actually, I know, I know it's worked really well because um, everyone has been working online and you've managed to get trade back up. Um, we've been talking about some yeah. of the interesting issues, like about um, um, not from the people side, but from the operational side, like 24-hour um, um, service standards as opposed to 48-hour service standards and the cost of that, which is interesting to come back to uh, maybe. Yeah. But you were talking about water cooler moments when we were chatting and missing missing the water cooler moments. Tell us no, about I'm that. not going to take credit for that. I think that was actually Giles who put the uh, the phrase to it. So I'll, I'll claim it, but thank you very much, Giles. Um, yes, it, it's the moments that happen in the office that can never happen when you're working from home. It's the, it's the overheard conversations about an issue with a customer or something you can do to help somebody else that just don't happen. And the community spirit you have within an office is, is all part of a working life. It's how people meet their future partners, how people make friends. Uh, and to suggest that these big corporates in the city are all gonna work from home, you're just gonna lose that entire community. And I think it's a real shame if that's where we end up. Uh, but. It's not going to happen at Robert Lee or New River Holdings. We want everybody back in the office. We want people sensibly being sociable, talking to each other. Yeah. It's, it's, it's an important part of everyday life, I think. That's my opinion anyway. Elizabeth, maybe I can come to you. Um, uh, kind of along similar lines, um, you were talking about um, um, your uh, members um, and, you know, um, you know what they're what they're focused around so i'm interested in hearing about that but also just how the communication has changed through covid perhaps you could just touch on on both of those things you know what they're focused on and how that's changed yes thank you very much so if i if i look at communication in the first instance obviously we we went online very quickly as an organization we were able to do that because of the nature of what we do we bring people together and thankfully we were able to continue to do that through the online medium so we've had quite a number of events um, on zoom normally uh, sort of post early july would become very quiet for us events wise but we've actually continued to offer events um, on a weekly basis and we've had a really good response to that so I think there's been a desire to communicate with others a desire to continue to be connected and learn so we probably talked to our members much more than we would have done otherwise which has been great obviously we'd have preferred to be able to bring people together in person but given that that hasn't been possible this has been a really good sort of second best and we've really seen engagement from people who perhaps wouldn't have been able to join had it been a, a, an in-person event because, you know, you take out your travel time. Our members are based all over the UK. We've also been able to engage some of our international colleagues, which has been really lovely, actually, because it's made the world smaller in that sense. But we are looking forward to seeing people in person. In terms of what members are talking about now, obviously, it was it was very much of a crisis management in the early, early sort of days of COVID. But now I'm seeing more conversations around how do we come out of this how do we restructure the business or how do we do our con continuity planning so a bit more of a, a focus on on the um, 
sort of short and medium term, and some people are also starting to talk about the long term. We've been talking about this not losing sight of the long term, and obviously the beauty of that is that you've always had that, and some people will say, well, we've been through other crises before. If they've been around long enough, they will have survived wars and many other horrific things. So I think um, we are starting to see people taking more of a long-term view, but obviously uh, the crisis has hit some industries really hard and others less so. So it is a very mixed picture in that sense. Really interesting. That's um, and Giles, if I can come to you on this, I mean, feel free everyone to pick up on everyone else's comments as we go around, just to just to take the polls. Uh, I'm interested in in office space in town and how uh, and what's the now. But also, you were talking about mixed messaging in the current environment. Well, now, my view on this is that it's just really complicated and it's very difficult not to give mixed messaging. But um, so, you know, but I know it's very hard to manage, isn't it? So um, when when the the narrative, the external narrative is it's confusing. Um, I, I think I, at the beginning, I wasn't confused because I, think I understood that they were learning and they were literally saying stay at home. And then I wasn't confused by the stay alert, although lots of people appeared to be. Uh, I'm now confused by the message um, because uh, although Boris, on one hand, is saying get back to the office, everyone else is saying don't go back to the office. And they're not saying public transport is safe. And as I think everyone said, it's the getting to the office that is boring people. Apparently, I say apparently on that actually, because there might be other motivations about not going to the office. Um, so uh, we have a situation where the offices are all safe. I'm sure all your offices are absolutely safe. Ours are safer than they than a hospital. I mean, safe. Well, that's probably not very safe. Thank you, isn't it? It's about much safer than a hospital. They're very safe. We have sanitizers distancing, sneeze screens, we have absolutely everything. So the mixed message is about getting to work. I was on the tube today. I happen to know that they fog the carriages regularly with an antiviral cleaner, which kills the virus on contact. We have the same in our offices. We smog our offices. Um, there's no one on the, the trains uh, or the tubes or the buses. So again, actually, they're, they're safer than they were pre-COVID, but before you could be standing next to someone with any sort of disease from anywhere in the world and have got it. But currently, this moment today, there's no lack of safety from the office, but the government isn't saying it. And although I'm not a um, conspiratorial um, thinker, I, I'm, I'm beginning to think that way because I, I don't understand why they're risking the London economy. I think if we, we talk about Matt, uh, particularly he says 95% of sales are back, you walk around London and it's a ghost town. And although um, there will be people doing work from home, I'm absolutely sure, judging from my experience, it's not as productive. So I'm just going back to that. I think in terms of the communication that uh, Elizabeth was talking about, um, to begin with, we were on Zoom calls every day uh, and there was a lot to do. And I've got to say now I'm on, in terms of the, the business and with other people and talk to people, maybe a few more. But in terms of the business, I'm on one or two a week because everything's done. There's nothing more to do. Um, so I'm actually now where I'm communicating more. And again, Elizabeth said the second best, but communicating via Zoom, that was great. Now I'm communicating much less than I used to. Uh, and I'm only guessing that I'm a normal Joe and that other people might be kind of following that. In terms of people getting back to work and safety, it's got to be when you look at we've all looked at the figures. I just I wrote them down. This is figures from a couple of weeks ago, and I'm sorry if I repeated myself 
a similar vein last time. But people under 70 who died with COVID, um, well, a couple of weeks ago, 7,352, probably no more than 8,000 people below 70, which is all the people in the country pretty well of working age. Um, and that's of COVID. No one died between you know, a heart attack or cancer or anything else in that time. Uh, and we now hear that the COVID figures include those who died having recovered from COVID, and there's now an investigation into that. So those figures of 8,000 people who died with COVID below 70 um, might well be much less. So you were talking about the risk. Well, I shouldn't jump in. I won't come to that. I'll come to that later. So I think there's a lot of people. It's summer. The weather's quite nice. They go on holiday. I'm going to stop there. Sorry, I was going to ask you about, that's okay, it's cool. Um, I was going to ask you about now in office space in town. So what are the, you know, what's it like now for you? Uh, so we only had, although our, our office has dropped, people who have taken the opportunity not to renew their licenses, we've dropped from about 95% to about 75%, um, which is a bit lower than we anticipated, uh, but it's fine. Luckily, we own our buildings mostly, uh, and so the business is okay, although we've given big discounts to our clients because most of them haven't been in and we felt we should be part of their help. But of course, we talk about the hotel. Day one, we open on the 7th of July, can't get in. Even I can't, I tried to go down on Monday. Uh, my daughter's working down there in the, in the pub uh, and I went, couldn't get in. So in terms of the hotel, it depends what industry you're in. Pub, yeah. hotel, amazing, cleaning, our cleaning company, really good performance. Uh, our resi was affected by the fact that none of the planners were at work or if they were at work, they were at home and that didn't seem to work. So it took them six months to give us our planning, which was expensive. Um, so it depends on which business, which industry you're in. But the office yes. space in London, they're not, people, clients are not coming back. And that's, I guess, uh, my biggest bugbear. But they will come back. All our staff are back. Here's the thing. So our staff was so keen. Maybe it's about communication. Our staff was so keen to come back. They're all in. And we've had to re-furlough some because we're not busy. And they go, we don't want to be re-furloughed. Yeah, yeah, it'd be interesting just to hear. Maybe that's a good segue to um, to Kate. Um, um, so you were talking about um, the research and how people have been, your research and how people have been finding it. So I'm interested in that. I think it's a nice segue from, from Giles, how people have coped. Well, I think it's very much what people have been saying. There isn't one definitive truth here. Uh, our research found that young men living alone were desperate to go back to work. You know, they were isolated. And, and as Matt said, you know, work for so many people, it fulfills a really important need. And, and we hear that all the time, some research we did last year. People like their colleagues, they want to be with them. But then other age groups are really experiencing the benefits of being able to manage your working day in a much more autonomous fashion. And of course, that again is a function of whether you've got dedicated workspace at home. If you're young and you're sharing a kitchen table with three other people trying to work from home. That is truly miserable, I imagine, and no wonder they want to get back to the office. But of course, as I say, there are those people who are thinking, this is great. You know, and we have heard in quite a few places, people have said, I'm not coming back to work. I'm doing just as well at home. And, you know, what is productivity is obviously context driven. You know, if they're delivering the results that are needed. Some people have been quite funny, have said, I've been asking to do homeworking for years. I keep being turned down. Now I've been made to do it. Actually, I've been able to show that I can do it really well and that actually I am very effective at home. But picking up on Elizabeth's point about trying to connect people, we have the same challenges. We like to run events, but it doesn't matter where you have it. There are a lot of people who say that's not convenient. 
So what we have been able to do is that it's an equal playing field. If you want to join an event, OK, we've got time zones uh, for some of our members, but we are getting people joining us from literally all over the world because that's, that's what's on offer. And they're yeah. really enjoying that. So yeah. I think it's where you are, the industry you work in, even the culture of the organisation. Are we going to help people work from home and do a brilliant job? Or are we going to take Matt's view, which is, no, we think they do a much better job when they're all here and that's what we want. Yeah, I guess the answer is, is probably a bit of both, isn't it? Because there's been good about being remote. I mean, certainly from my experience with you know, all the businesses that we're plugged into, there hasn't really been a drop in productivity, I would say. There have been issues um, about either. So for me, if you drop out of the conversation about um, about the uh, the disease, um, the uh, the commute is a real focal point for this because uh, on the good side, it bookended the day and gave some discipline to life. Um, on the bad side, uh, you know, the commute can be awful and it's a complete waste of time. So the playoff between you know a couple of hours a day wasted for, for lots of people and the ill discipline that we have in the sort of working environment where you can start at seven in the morning and finish at nine o'clock at night and there's no kind of like natural boundary and people just haven't had that self-discipline to to organize for that so i think it's interesting both giles when uh, the sports analogy is that uh, if you're a sportsman or a sports team you're always trying to play the better team or the better tennis player to help improve your game I have absolutely no doubt, Kate, that good people, quality people who have experienced can work efficiently from home. You take all the good people out of an office and leave all the people who are being trained or aren't yet as good from that team, they won't learn as quickly. And so uh, I'm, I'm absolutely sure Matt is right. And it isn't just about someone doing their job correctly or well. Well, in fact, maybe it's true to say that some people do their job much more efficiently and more productive at home, but I think if you take those people out of the team, the team will suffer. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Giles. It's about the, each company succeeds and fails on the merits of how they work together to provide a service or deliver a product, whatever it is they do. Uh, and if those older, more experienced team members aren't helping the younger ones learn, you're gonna you may not be in trouble to start with but you're certainly going to be in trouble down the line as you say that experience is not passed on those yeah. water cooler moments about how to deal with a particular situation or type of customer don't happen and uh, yes you could be more productive at home absolutely of course you can and you probably gain in some cases an extra two hours of your working day but in the long run the business or the service will suffer i have no doubt about that you need that one more. Um, if you take um, a load of individual rugby players, quality rugby players, and they train on their own, and they're as fit as they possibly could be, and they can, their ball handling skills are as good as they could be, and then you take another team, and you train them all together, and they're also fit, but they train all their training from day one together, and you put those two in a match, um, and the, the team who's worked together will win. And we know that from the Barbars. The Barbars are excellent, excellent players who play often not such good teams, but they lose often because they haven't played together very much. Yeah. I suppose the only, the only um, contention for me here is that this assumption that if you're not in the same place as people, you can't pass on wisdom, you can't give advice, you can't help and support. And when I was reading something yesterday where actually virtual leaders 
showing themselves to be much better at what would be called the soft skills because they're having to work so much harder at all of those things that you've talked about. So it is a different way of leading and management. But I think to say one is good and the other is not so good actually doesn't really allow for the, the nuances of how people manage and indeed how people like to be managed. I think that's a great, great point. And I have, I found that we've been doing some work with, um, you know, one of our clients, which is quite difficult work, quite emotional work. Um, and um, it's not for through the screen. Um, all of the uh, sort of um, intelligence, social intelligence, emotional intelligence skills that we, soft skills that we might use, it's not for through the screen because um, for some of the issues we need to touch on, actually you just need to be there with them. Uh, there is something about being with somebody which is lost through the screen. So. For me, there's like a really, that's kind of, I feel that's quite striking. So we've made the decision to go and be together with all the safety um, accounted for and everyone being okay with that. So that, that support can be there. And I, so for me, then it's context, context for working. And this is an enriching experience in many ways because the, the virtual really cool, good, useful context, which can be additive. So I think if you think about it that way around, you know, how is being together really important and how can we, use the efficiency and value of the online experience when are the right contexts. I think that's what you kind of got to get in your head. Um, and we're not, I don't think we're settled into the pattern of it as much. Just finish on this section with an example from us, which is one of our team members um, was a male uh, living in a flat on his own. Um, uh, you know, absolutely classically what you were saying, Kate, and I really felt for him during April, it was like a whole month in his flat on his own. Uh, in somewhere in London, um, you know, pretty much unable to go out very much. Um, and then um, also he's uh, from Italy and his parents were trying to get back to Turin, which is like a hotspot, if you remember. Um, eventually worked out he could get back, they could get emergency flights back to their family home in Turin and they were all going to do that. And he asked me if that was okay. In this environment, absolutely. I don't, I don't, I mean, I would much rather you were safe at home with your family and feeling good. And it made no difference at all to his productivity to be, I mean, probably uplifted it, but it was no, a no brainer from a work perspective that he could just be in cheering with his family and do all his usual work. I don't think that conversation would ever have happened prior to COVID. So that's just interesting for me, Matt. I think, I think it is, and you, you do make an interesting point. And I think the word that you use there is very relevant, which is context, because in the current environment and as an immediate uh, solution, what he did was absolutely the right thing to do. I think everybody here would agree that that was the right decision. Yeah. The question I would ask you back then is, would you be comfortable with him still being there in six months' time? Uh, interesting question. Yeah, no, and I don't know. Um, we'll have to wait and see how it all pans out. I think that's the answer, isn't it? We'll have to wait and see. To your earlier point, which is really powerful, about team spirit, and to my point about being together, you know, that is obviously an important context. So. I mean, maybe yes and no if traveling is fine and you can get back and go back and forth easily and I think that, yeah Kate's point about um, that people can be as, as productive a leader uh, and uh, teacher remotely I, I, I do agree with that but I also think it, it depends on the type of industry and the type of person we all know there are people that you can encourage by giving them a cuddle and others you encourage them by giving them a kick so some people will be more receptive to remote leadership than others yeah. So again, it depends on the type of person, perhaps even the industry you're dealing with. In our industry, um, we are fairly male dominated alpha people. It's a building trade. Um, you get the boot out 
more often than you get the cuddle out and uh, them having having the safety of a computer screen um doesn't necessarily work for us yeah but again, so I want to move on and just going to reach out to all the audience and say um I hope you're enjoying the conversation here with Giles uh, Elizabeth Kate and Matt um you're plugged into our leader roundtable mark two we're just sort of catching up um on how things have been changing since uh since the 20th of may when we um when we interviewed everybody before and you can find that uh dialogue which is super interesting and just compare the two on our on our uh, youtube channel so i really encourage you to go back and have a look at um how everyone was thinking about things on the 20th of may and I want to come to, and then, you know, firing your questions, you've got a good opportunity sort of um, in maybe 15 minutes time just to ask some questions. So firing your questions on the GoToWebinar panel and we'll pick them up and, and field them around the group. So it'd be lovely to get some questions for everybody. Um, I want to talk about the future um, and just spend some time thinking about that. Maybe we can pick up this concept of um, risk at the same time. Uh, so I guess a good way into this is what do you perceive as the three key risks. And I'm kind of interested in three because I get that the virus is number one. And then maybe maybe you'll say different things, but the economy has got to be in there. But then there may be other things. And there are tensions between these, I think, in the environment we're in at the moment. They, they play against each other. So I'm interested in what you perceive as your key risks and how you're feeling about risk. But also just looking ahead, you know, what's your view? Um, Maybe I can come back to you, Elizabeth. Um, you were talking about, you know, um, uh, how people are feeling about the future. Maybe you could just touch on that. Yes, thank you, Nick. Uh, I think one of the things that we're expecting to to see a little bit more firmly on a lot of agendas is kind of thinking about the the longer term and and within that succession planning in in family firms. I think COVID has potentially sped up certain conversations in, in families about the future and um, some people may have taken the opportunity to reflect on what they want to get out of the, the rest of their lives and therefore maybe looking to hand over sooner than they would have done otherwise. Um, next geners may be thinking about their careers in different ways, having them almost take from them for a period of time, especially if you're, if you're a younger next gen who's in your first job, it can be very frustrating. Uh, so I think everybody's been uh, thinking about the future in a, in a different way and in a family business context that can mean certain conversations happening a bit sooner than than the family may otherwise have anticipated uh, so I think that's that's what we've we've seen um, and I suppose um, that is risk mitigation in some sense that you start to have those conversations a little bit earlier we're always encouraging that conversation to start as early as possible anyway so I think that's a, that's a positive equally around restructuring thinking about what do we want our businesses to look like in future. I think it is a, a great opportunity to think about that um, more. We, we've heard some really brave conversations happening in, in some of our member businesses where they're really thinking hard about what kind of things they want to be doing in future, what kind of things they don't think um, should be part of, of the business going forward. Uh, I was talking to, to someone uh, the other day who said to me, it's a really good opportunity to also look at what kind of customers you want to have. You know, is it time to get rid of that really difficult customer who's actually a drain on resources? And also, you know, really take a look at the people you work with. Is this an opportunity to see what kind of team do we want for the future? So I think when I talk to people, 
what I'm hearing now, as opposed to perhaps a couple of months ago, is that there are there are more silver linings emerging than than people have perhaps anticipated there would be. And I guess that is a sign of coming out of lockdown, both mentally and physically, emotionally. I think that that's wonderful. It plays into so for, for me that does play into the concept of risk a little bit. So one way I'm seeing this, and I think you've kind of what you said there, probably maybe maybe it speaks to what I'm going to say. Um, you know, in in pre-COVID times, risk was perceived very differently, just because the sh you know the shocking global nature of this whole thing is. Um, and I'm going to say it's sharp, sharpened us, um, sharpened us to perception of risk. So I would, say, I would say we were dulled, unless we were experiencing on a day by day basis, probably dulled to risk. And you know what was risk? Risk was something you talked to your financial advisor about. Risk was a matrix that was uh, somewhere in the strap pack, you know, a really good one, and I love it. So I'm not downplaying it, but that's how it, it was for many people. I feel like it sharpened things. And for me, it plays into that concept of if you want to, if you talk about a loss. It's very different from people talking about what's your attitude to risk and people are much more loss averse than they are clear about what risk means and so a loss question is a better question than a risk question and it does bring people's minds to start earlier to your point um so now i am worried that we won't get things done in time and i'm going to get started earlier on my long-term planning i feel that's similar to being you know fit and healthy for long-term health issues things like diabetes, things like stroke, which are sort of sim similar in their, um, you know, their impact in health now, you know, as we are right now with this kind of disease, although you can catch this, whereas diabetes is something that happens with age and, and genes and health. Um, but nevertheless, you know, same sort of thing, like that perception of loss, I think has perhaps, perhaps and hopefully sharpened people's perception of the, you know, consequences long term. And brought it more closely into view. Do you think that's that's what you're saying, Elizabeth? I think that's right. Yes, I, I think you put that very very nicely um, with um, with a much better context. And I think that's true. And I think those those are some of the issues. You know, we've been made aware of in a very stark way. You know, there are such things as as long term health to think about, long term well being, and and that meaning mental well-being emotional well-being as well and and thinking about what it is that we want to get out of our lives is, is part of that conversation and, and therefore that kind of lends itself to to interesting family conversations at times um giles can i bring you in on this one um i loved your comment about wait and see you have a nice way of putting it um what's your what's your view of the future and how's that chime what elizabeth is saying well uh Given that I'm not allowed to make the decisions and I have to leave that to government, <laughs> uh, I think we're still in that place of, uh, I think the word that you were mastering inactivity. I think uh, making any changes now um, may have to be reversed in the future when we understand uh, what it is that's happened. In terms of risk, um, if I'm going to start with the biggest risk, if I may, the biggest mm. risk that I'm wrong and Matt's wrong <laughs> and others. Uh, that we don't return to the office uh, in any numbers and the number of people, particularly in London and in the other uh, conurbations, people don't come back to the office. The office values plummet, um, the investment and debt secured and pensions uh, secured on those buildings, say particularly in London, which is where a lot of the money is, uh, will create an absolute catastrophe for the economy and the whole thing will fall over. So I hope I'm right for that reason because I think that if I put that at the top of the risk 
that then falls into what does that mean? Well, that means that the tax or the income for the government goes down, and that in turn affects the NHS, the police, uh, the army, the roads, education. Um, so I think that the, the cost or the risk of uh, people not going back is beyond comprehension. Um, further, other risks, social, social harmony uh, and upheaval. I think we've seen what happens when people are, have a lot of time to not do very much. I think um, good cause or otherwise, people take to the streets and um, can behave very badly, um, hurt each other, hurt others, destroy things. Uh, and I don't think, I think that, I think we're an animal underneath it all. We have a, a, a very slim veneer of uh, social behavior. Um, and I think that, and we've seen it happen so often in the past, can disappear and we revert back to behaving uh, like for our own best intentions rather than as a society. Um, I don't know if my figures are right, but I read recently that probably more than 4.2 million people have actually had COVID. Um, obviously only 300,000 have been tested for it, but we haven't had that much testing. But 4.2 is a minimum, it might be more. 45,000 have, 45, have died with COVID, probably own estimation because we know that they're dying after they've been cured of it. So that would be a 1% death rate, which I was just trying to look it up. That's what I was doing on the phone there, what the death rate of flu was. But in my mind, it's about 1%. Um, a, little bit, a little bit less, I think, Giles, but around there. A little bit less than around there. So, um, so, yeah, just going to stick to risk for this bit. Uh, for me, they're the immediate and obvious risk. Yeah, thank you. Um, and Matt, you were talking about, um, I mean, there's a sort of theme of reflection uh, from both of those, which is interesting. Is that, you know, you're talking about long-term planning and reorganizing. What, what are you, what's your focus? Um, I, the focus at the moment is um, if you're going to have a bad year, which a lot of businesses are this year, or certainly are not as good a year as historically, it is an opportunity to completely clear the decks. So we're a business that uh, manages and distributes stock. So is it an opportunity to liquidate some of that stock that's been sat on the shelf for too long um, and throw it all in? You, you talk about risk management. Obviously, companies take out insurance on uh, supplying you. Is this a good opportunity to have an excuse to have a bad year so that uh, you can continue the good relationships and, and have a clean deck come the start of the new financial year? And we're absolutely going for it, hell for leather. We're clearing the decks, and I don't mean this in a nasty way, but as far as some of the more senior members of staff who have just been with the business too long, we've got quite a few over the age of 70 who we've taken this opportunity to have some protected conversations with them and come to mutual agreements that uh, it is best for the business to continue without them. Uh, and they go away with a very happy package, should we say. Yeah, <clears throat> um, the, the biggest risk we have as a business, and I keep coming back to it, and I agree 100% with Giles, is this water cooler uh, community. If we don't have it in our business, we just won't work properly. You know, somebody said to me the other day, well, what are we doing for the Christmas party? because everybody in the business looks forward to it. It's a great time for us all to get together, 
the directors sit and talk next to the the, the op warehouse operators and goodness me they ask some very funny questions but uh, it's only because they're interested and they want to know and it's fantastic and you just don't get that working remotely it's so important that people come back to the office engage with each other face to face where it is appropriate to do so because i fully appreciate there are people i call them on the endangered list who it is more important that they stay at home for personal and family reasons yeah yeah understood so it's that informal it's that informal um side of the you know it's not on the structure we always call it business that happens in the white space it's between the lines of the structure chart where you know people just talk to people and find stuff out it's so important isn't it and it's very social it is and it, it now is a good time to make some tough decisions in your business because quite frankly if they go wrong you've got another excuse to blame it on um <laughs> but the, the reality is you know things are a little bit quieter so do those jobs that you've been putting off make those decisions while you've got more time to think about them uh, and prepare yourself now to push on for the next six to 12 months because the reality is the the environment in which we're living in isn't really going to change dramatically whether we're in lockdown or not we know what that looks like whether we start to come out people's um, relationship with risk is greater so people will be more cautious it you just got you've got to make those decisions prepare your business to carry on as if it was exactly as things are today so I, I'm sensing from the conversation so far that um, you know uncertainty about the future from from everyone um, uh, sh sharpening. So um, you know getting uh, clearer about the consequences and getting ready is a, a bit of a theme there. Um, and then there's some honesty and then making difficult decisions in order to be ready is part of part of what I'm hearing. And then, and Kate, I was really interested in you because in your research, I think you're on your connections, you're finding actually a lot of optimism. So just tell us about what you're experiencing. Which I think well, well you know, apologies to my fellow panelists and everyone listening. I can't ever miss an opportunity to talk about our research, A, because it's fascinating and B, because obviously it's my job. And we did some research really recently and asked people how optimistic essentially they were about the future of their business. And overwhelmingly, people thought they were at least going to stay the same size quite a lot saw predicted growth hardly anybody thought that it would be the end of their businesses but i imagine to be fair although we asked over 1400 people that if you were feeling that despondent you probably wouldn't want to put fill in a survey saying how despondent you were so they and the most optimistic were ceos so well done giles and matt and the three of you actually you, you have evidence for that her uh, finding that and uh, smes very optimistic about the future but what we also did was revisit some research that we'd done in 2014 where we tried to predict the future and we called it 2020 vision future trends in leadership and management and in actual fact all i think covid has done looking at that research is really accelerated the trends that were there you know five years ago flexible working stakeholder capitalism um the importance of relationships how difficult you know managing distributed teams are uh, is so actually it, although it does seem it has been a crisis it hasn't changed that many things i think in an enduring way if you look back you know teleworking as it was first called started in the 1960s 
you know, yeah. this isn't absolutely new. So we're just, I think, getting better at it. And I think personally, I think the risk to me is that we lose sight of the great learning. Because when you think how quickly some companies have changed and how all of us have probably been on change management workshops and told it takes forever and you have to get buy in and you have to have a big plan and all of the rest of it. So many people did it really well, really quickly because there was a huge appetite and a sense we've got to get this done and let's not lose how quickly we can do things let's not lose that um, willingness to learn and develop on your own how many people have done courses and gone to on webinars totally self-motivated so i think those are the great things the digital capability even amongst uh, matt's over 70s i bet there's loads of people who've never done a zoom call in their life and are now really good changing their backgrounds and all the rest of it so th this i think there's a lot to be optimistic and thankful for but you know that you know giles's warnings there were were quite dire yeah, and 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 fairly made, I think, in the context of what might happen in the next few months. I mean, so one one of uh, thank you very much. That's great. Um, Kate, you were also talking about uh, the widening of the talent pool and the so I, you know my comment about the Turin is like a minor, you know, tangible example of that. But the ability to just work with people in a much wider market, which doesn't happen for you know you can't necessarily do that for a distribution business or a fruit picking business or something like that. But for you know more for the professional environment. Or the office environment, it is possible, isn't it? To, to, to well, we keep example. hearing that people are moving to a two-three or a, you know two days at home, three days in the office, and and vice versa. So still needing office space, you'd be pleased to know, Giles, but probably just a bit less of it. You know, and that is a, a recurrent finding. Now, if you've only got to commute two days a week, you can put up with a much longer commute can't you whereas it used to be like two hours out of london you might actually say do you know what i'll go in for two days i'll do an overnight and all of a sudden the geographical location is not the same constraint because we've got evidence we can do it yeah and so if you are short of people wherever you are in the country just expand you know office might be located in the midlands or in cornwall but you don't have to be there all the time and, and that is very very liberating i think when you are looking for talent and you're just not finding it locally i do i do think giles that your model you were developing around the cabins is really cool for this kind of environment so as kate says a longer commute in kind of um, presupposes them i want to stay over for a, a night or two make the most of my time in london and then head back so if like three days in London would suit me great, uh, which means I need a couple of couple of uh, easy available overnight stays somewhere. So I love your model um, with the cabins, and I don't know whether that'll be popular, but it would be for me. Well, I, I can already tell you the cabins are pretty well full most of the time, um, yeah. and it, uh, it is definitely on our spec list for new buildings. We'll have more of them. Yeah, um, cabins. Just for those who don't know, it, it's cabins. I went to a naval school. And so the bedrooms are called cabins. So it's a bedroom, uh, just in case you didn't realise. <laughs> yeah, everyone can see everyone can see the wonderful giraffe room. Um, one of our clients has got a strategy which is called the giraffe strategy. I was telling Giles earlier because we did it in that room, and it's such a totemic room. But the, one of the other spaces is um, is boats, isn't it? Boats and yachts and seafaring. Yeah, absolutely... We had a different a different theme depending on its location. So I've got, a, I've got a question in. So this is um, back to one of our earlier points about risk. Um, so I'm just acknowledging that London is like a bad day on a Sunday uh, or on every day. 
um, pretty much. And um, um, you know, there is a there's obviously the ability for the virus to spread. It's it's very it's very good at spreading itself, isn't it? This this thing. Um, and will potentially push the R number back up. Um, there's obviously, you know, right now there's little patches of problems where we're unlocking and this it's getting going. Um, either very localized around, you know, very close internal environments, or we have the Oldham thing and today's news, and there's obviously what's happened in Spain and London is like a hotspot. It's obviously a hotspot with lots of little little mini hotspots and each tube train. Is potentially a hot spot, so people are obviously aware of that. But what is your view on this? I mean, Giles, you spoke about it earlier, but I'm interested in the others about people coming in. You know, should we be guiding them to stay away and just keep, try and keep that R number down, or should we be overcoming that and asking them to try and come in um, and just keep an eye? You know, what's your view on it? I know you've all said, you know, Matt, Matt you said get back, but do you do you hold that against the tension of possible more virus transmission and I, I think uh, I said it I think in the last meeting that uh, the way that the media has handled the uh, informing the general public of this whole virus is Laura Koonsberg should have been furloughed on day one she's a prophet of doom if she'd have been reporting on Dunkirk we never would have achieved it, it it's, it's disgraceful but uh, I can't let me come back to it I'm gonna Think about what I'm going to say because I have to be a bit careful first. I don't want to uh, say the wrong thing. Don't want to say the wrong thing. No, I'll come hey, back. Thank to you, Elizabeth. Do you have a view on on this, Elizabeth? Thank you. I, I'd hope that we could all start to go back to some form of normal um, in the not too distant future, but I think it will be a balanced normal. Everybody will want to feel safe. I would want my team to feel safe coming into the office when they do. I suspect that we will return gradually. We've been very lucky in that we, of course, we want the water cooler moments as well. We, we benefit from that immensely, but we've also uh, been very lucky in that we've transitioned. We're a small team. I think that, that makes a difference. Uh, so, so I think we'll return gradually. Uh, that's my thinking at the moment. But for me, it's really about remaining extremely flexible Right now we're working from home. Some of us are in the office one day a week, making sure that we take the right precautions in that regard. Um, but equally, uh, I'm, I'm lucky enough that I don't have to use public transport to get to the office. And it's just been really lovely to see restaurants and shops reopen between my home and the office. Victoria, where we're based, is still very, very quiet. Um, I'm at a half hour bike ride away. It's a much different experience and, and life has returned to, to something that, that looks familiar. Uh, and that's extremely encouraging. And I think everybody benefits from that. I think psychologically, we all benefit from seeing openness again. So I would hope that, yes, of course, with the right safety precautions in place, that life will open up more and more and that that will mean a return to the office on a gradual um, and, and in a gradual and safe way. I think we need it. Victoria is dead because there are so many offices around where we are. All the restaurants and all the coffee shops have remained shut for the duration of this period. And I'd love to see more of that open um, as, as long as we're managing it properly. I, I would love to see more of that, including a return to the office. I'm going to come back to me, Nick, if that's OK. I've yeah, kind of got my wording right now. The, the, the bit that um, 
frustrates me in all of this is you you listen to the media and how things are reported and it is in most cases a profit of doom uh, and people interpret that information in a, in a lot of cases to suit their agenda there's a lot of negative uh, social media going around and ultimately people need to take personal responsibility you talk about the commute into the office um and, uh, and if if they haven't seen the trains being fogged. They'll use that as an excuse to blame the government for a mixed message on TfL about how safe the trains are. It's They don't take personal responsibility. They want to push the responsibility of their decisions and actions back onto a government, a social media post or a friend's thought process. And it's, it's quite frustrating from my point of view when I talk to some of my staff and say, come on, I want you back in the office. And they'll start blaming, well, I can't make my cup of tea and remain one metre apart from my work colleagues. The, the excuses you get for not coming back are wearing very thin, or certainly on me. And in some cases, it's disappointing. In other cases, completely the opposite. They're doing absolutely everything they can. And some people are prepared to walk half an hour into the office. And it, it does, to a crisis like this, shows you who's a team player, who's who's working for the company, who's working to towards the same agenda and others that perhaps are more personally focused, should we say, putting it politely, who aren't team players. And again, it's an opportunity to clear the house. I'm going to just uh, so we're running up to the hour. So thank you all very much for that. Just on on this point here, I think it's very, very difficult personally. Um, I'm sure you'd all agree that, you know, to Matt's point, I try and take the view that the virus and the news that we have is the environment and um, that uh, it is the environment and it is confusing and we have to just accept that that's how it is um, and then try you know you know as a leader you have to just you know this is a given to it's given to us we can't really do too much to change that dialogue ourselves we have to have a dialogue in our own minds about it that's the thing we can that we can influence to your point Matt um, and for me, it's 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 try and try and follow try and follow it, um, and try and show by example by just following it and sort of not resisting it and just accepting it and uh, trying to do the right thing, which is very difficult. So part of the environment is it's very difficult for us as leaders to try and navigate our way through. It's also difficult for us as leaders to give the right message and find that line. And I think that is that is really clear. I've got a sort of final question. I just want to wrap up for everyone because I'm conscious of running up to the hour and then wanting to get back to their desks. So it's okay with you. I'm just going to show a couple more slides and then I've got one question, then maybe we'll wrap. That's okay. I'm sure you might want to come back on some of those points, but um, um, well, um, uh, bear with me for a second. Just going to put the slides back up. Uh, I think that's showing. Have we got the correct slide? I think so. What's on? What's on? Okay, thank you, Matt. So just um, thank you very much, everyone, for joining our uh, Strategy Cafe sessions uh, during coronavirus. Um, feel like we've done a lot, and I'd like to reach out to David Gray, who knows on the line, and thank him, and Rosanna and Matt and the rest of the Olympic team for all the hard work they've put in um, to um, put all our series together. Uh, we've tried to do our, do our best just to be helpful as part of our ethos. Uh, as a leadership advisory business is uh, to provide 
you know, available, good, high quality leadership um, guidance. And hopefully these um, webinars have been a good example of that. Uh, and I hope everyone that's listening has enjoyed them uh, and also love to uh, have, have loved having our guests on and thank everyone um, deeply for giving up their time and for sharing their thoughts uh, with you all today. Um, you know, there's interest and value in everyone's comments and um, I've really enjoyed listening to to them and it gives you a good view, I think, of how how things have been going. Um, so we're taking a break now, back in September. Um, don't forget we have a team podcast um, and we'll put one together which kind of captures all of this. And if you look on the website, there's a page up now which will give you a nice bit of navigation, thanks David, um, back to all of the past editions. So all of the different things around coping uh, from a strategic and leadership point of view and then and then some of the information uh, things we've done. I think all of which have been really good. Um, but I'd like to pick out the one we did on grief. Um, with our two coaches, which I really enjoyed, and I think it's very important. We haven't so much talked about um, the mental health aspects today, but I am super conscious of this, and I'm going to come back to it with my last question uh, in a moment. Um, that uh, that you know, that in the current environment, um, there's a lot of current um, pressure on people's um, you know state of mind because um, survival mode always triggers that. Um, and okay, so um, thank you all very much. Uh, we're going to wrap up now. I've got one last question and then I'm going to say goodbye to everybody. So um, thank you very much for joining us today and have a good summer. Stay healthy and stay safe, everyone. Stay on the line for a minute if you want to just hear this last bit. I'll come back to everybody. So um, one of the things we were wondering about uh, was about um, whether it would change us, whether this virus would change us. And uh, I think this was kind of very sort of current when we were doing clapping on the streets, um, uh, which was a, a really interesting experience for a time. And um, we joked uh, that it seemed to disturb the birds every evening. And at a certain point, all of the birds kind of rose up out of the trees and flocked around us, which was just an interesting observation. They didn't seem to get used to it, but at eight o'clock on Thursday, they were going to be woken up by the whole street clapping. Um, but the underlying question was about kindness, um, whether we would be kinder to each other as a consequence of all of this. Um, and um, um, I'm, I'm very conscious, actually, that anxiety doesn't tend to bring kindness out in people. So um, I'm just curious as to, you know, as leaders, how you're experiencing that just as a wrap up. More for my sake than anyone else, really. Is there more kindness or is there more anxiety? say. I don't, yeah, the our first re uh, report we looked at the mental health and the impact and social isolation was absolutely a problem. And business in the community produced some guidelines about coping with bereavement, which you, you've just alluded to, um, and how difficult mourning has been for people, not just through uh, losing people through COVID, but because we haven't the normal deaths. That, that Giles alluded to earlier. And there has been a call for more compassionate management, more empathetic management. And yet when I was looking, did some research on that, they were calling for that in the 1970s. So whether we, you know, these things are never new, are they? So whether we are being kinder because we've got better insight into the whole person because we see their domestic circumstances and all the pressures there, or we're just so keen to get on with business as usual that we, we forget how, how kind we have actually been to each other. Matt, do you want to say? 
Oh, I can do. One thing I do want to say is uh, to everybody on the panel, it's been very nice sort of sharing this time with you. I'm being kind, you see. Uh, but particularly, I wanted to say thank you to uh, Nick, Dave, Rosanna and the rest of the team for, for certainly for the last 10 years, but for uh, keeping us all talking during these difficult times. So there's a big thank you from me to, to everybody, Elizabeth, Kate and Giles on the panel as well. Um, are we being kinder? I think we're being more understanding uh, and I think there are pockets of individuals who are being kinder. Businesses are listening, I think, a little bit more to the what goes on behind closed doors in many cases. I mean, we found out things about our staff that uh, under normal circumstances you'd never realise. It, it, it's the same old thing. You don't realise what it's like until you walk a mile in somebody else's shoes. And we found out a little bit more about that with some of the colleagues that we work with day to day that you never would have done. So, yeah, I think people are starting to be a bit more kind on the understanding that everybody is suffering from a little bit more anxiety. So I think they're sort of hand in hand almost. On that note, I'm going to be quiet. Very conscious we're at the hour. So if you need to bail out at this point, please do. Giles. I would say, um, no, I don't think there's any more kindness. I think time given us time to show our kindness where we perhaps were already kind or the opposite unkind um i my feeling when i look at social media currently is uh, overwhelming the lack of tolerance for other people's yeah. views and yeah. i don't they're so bringing to call that kindness i'm going to say no it's gone backwards there used yeah. to be a time we were known for it as a society where we would let someone uh, espouse their views in speaker's corner it, it doesn't really matter it was and we wouldn't attack people for that so no, I think we're becoming a very intolerant society and it, it does worry me. That's the, that's the anxiety spiking. I'm going to say that your business um, comes at it with family values first, doesn't it? And kindness is a core value and I think it comes out in all your behaviour. So if I asked you, has it shifted your kindness style? You'd probably say, probably say no because you've always just started from kindness. Yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm very much about uh, taking responsibility for one's own life. So going back to earlier, uh, individuals must take uh, responsibility for their for their their risk. Getting in the car, getting in the plane, going to pick the top. So I'm very much, and then looking at the people around you. So we look after all our charity is based around our bigger family of the office and our staff and, and our clients. And all the charity money we raise goes to someone who works within our environment or the the client of one of us. So I'm very much for building a good society one person at a time. Whereas, of course, there is the other view, which is you look out and you try and change society on math, which I think is, uh, firstly, what if that's wrong? And secondly, it's almost impossible to do because you've got half the society not agreeing with you. Yeah. Elizabeth, perhaps I can wrap up. With yes. You. Uh, so I think I'd, I'd agree with, with Matt that there is more understanding. And I think especially as we went into the, the crisis, uh, there was probably quite a lot of it, whether that is still at the same level. I, I'm not but I think I have seen kind of more understanding in, in lots of different ways but I think kindness that is probably a very personal choice and it's something we do have to make a decision about whether we we tap into that in ourselves or or not and I'm I'm sure it has provoked um, that question in, in each of us but yeah again I think there's probably no yes or, or, or no to that answer but it's it's individual thank you
Thank you all very, very much. Um, hope you have a lovely day. Sorry to keep you. It's 10.03, so I feel like I've preyed on your attention far too long. And um, I'm really appreciative of your time this morning. I really love talking to you all. Thank you very much. Um, have a lovely Thank day, everyone. Okay, thanks very much, Thank everybody. You. Thank you. Enjoy the Thank wait. You. Yes, bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. bye. bye.